Thank you, Gary. Great job. Worship band did a real good job, too. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but uh, the only person who knew those songs, I think, was Barbara, and everybody else plays on spot. <laughs> the rest of the guys, without practice, pick it up and play it. So it's amazing they do a great job. Thank you, guys. Um, welcome. Most of our people aren't here, but welcome those that are here. <laughs> so we're glad you're here. God's doing some unique things with Breakpoint, and I'm really excited about it. Since the beginning of this year, God's been bringing us different people, brought us the First Nations people first and began to establish us here, and over and over again have brought people to us saying that, yeah, we are the gate. We are the gate to Santa Monica, the gate to Hollywood, the gate for the First Nations. So I'm excited to see what God is about ready to unveil. And I know he is. This initiative last uh, recently was a major initiative. I could feel the shift, too. There's a big shift happening. And when we see that manifest in people saved, that's going to be really fun. But until then, that's what hope is, is believing what we haven't seen yet. But that's what God calls us to do as a people of believers, is to believe what he said, when he speaks it to our heart. Now, we have some uh, uh, guests today. Uh, and I, I kind of think it's a real answer to prayer for us because a little while back we started asking for intercessors. We wanted to have intercessors around Breakpoint because we wanted not only this church to be established, but this city uh, and, and across the nation. And he's brought us some <laughs> people from all over the world. Uh, uh, the group today from uh, International Prayer Conference, uh, John Robb, is responsible for praying for the United Nations and a lot of different things and a lot of different initiatives all over. So we're very fortunate to have him and his part of his team here today to uh, uh, speak to us and talk to us and encourage us and tell us what's going on in the world and hopefully tell us more what's going on here. <laughs> it's always easier to see from someone else's place than when you actually live there. So John Robb, and he's going to introduce his team. We thank you for being here. Well, good morning. It's a joy to be with you, and especially to have Jesus Christ here in the room with us. Isn't that wonderful? Because he said he'd be with us, right? Even when two or three are together. He, like, he likes small groups, actually. <laughs> Even two and three, but we have many more than that here. And so the presence of the Lord is the reason we're here, right, with each other. I just really am thrilled at um, all the potential that you have in this. It's called Breakpoint, is that it? Breakpoint. Good name. Good name. And we were sitting here a few weeks ago, uh, Gary and Karen, I'm right in here. I never thought that I would be back here so soon. Uh, and then we also were out praying on the promenade. Uh, a few of us. What does the Lord have in store for you here in Santa Monica? I was resonating with what Murray said about beachhead. And the first thing that occurred to me is that each of us are really a beachhead for the presence and the glory of Jesus Christ. Depending, it doesn't really depend on where we are, but we carry his presence with us. He is in us, right? So when we walked into the Lowe's Hotel, some of the intercessors, uh, others that were in the 
industry felt something happen when, what, 30, 40 intercessors walked into that hotel. There was the darkness just kind of like that. And they felt, boy, something's happened here. It's because we carry Jesus with us, right? Wherever you are, your work, in, if you're in Hollywood, if you're in different uh, capacities, if you're here in the city, whatever you're doing, Jesus Christ is in you and with you. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, the, the word that we prayed out, and I actually saw our sister over here painting, is that word about the living waters, uh, John 7, verse 38, where Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Wow. Streams of living water can flow through each of you and through me, wherever we go. If we believe in him, if we trust in him, that river will be unleashed will affect Santa Monica, it will affect Los Angeles, it will even flow to the ends of the earth. Well, I want to introduce our team. Uh, part of our team is here. There are others that weren't able to make it, but I want to start. Uh, I'm just going to give first names because then it's easier for you to remember, and then if there's a social time, you can go up to them. And uh, Nita is from South Africa. Wave, wave your hand, Nita. Uh, Lena is from Lena is from Singapore. Uh, Jane is from Australia. Uh, Austin is from Nigeria. Brian is from England. And you already know Murray from Canada. And I'm from the US. <laughs> we need all the help we can get in the U.S., yes, thank you. Uh, we're going to have a couple of our folks just share from their hearts for a few minutes with you to hopefully encourage you uh, from their own experience. All of us are involved in what's called the International Prayer Council. It came into being after 9-11. We met in New York City near Ground Zero. First had to try and forgive them fanatical Muslims for what they did. Very hard, because you kind of have this sense of, Lord, get them. You know, I'm so furious at what they did. But we, we struggled with that, and we extended forgiveness, and then we, we prayed and consulted together. That was the beginning of this International Prayer Council, which is a network of networks of prayer ministries around the world. We focus on global issues that are of concern to the body of Christ, everything from terrorism to the Great Commission international prayer concerns. And our real overarching um, desire is that, as the prophet Habakkuk said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You have a great illustration of it just a couple blocks out here. That's what it's going to look like, folks. Vast. The presence and the glory of Jesus Christ upon the entire earth like a vast ocean. It's, that's where we're moving. That's, God is bringing this about through history, and it's a divine human partnership. It's not going to just drop out of heaven. It's when you let that living water flow 
out of your innermost being. You're, you're having your part in the accomplishment of this huge, great vision for our earth. There's persistence and perseverance required. And uh, I was thinking of the, the uh, word, actually, this morning when I was driving down to Starbucks early. <laughs> I confess to that addiction. Uh, I turn on the radio. Would you believe the, the um, guy is reading from this passage? And it's one that we have seen operate in a number of amazing prayer initiatives which were there were hopeless conditions of war and suffering and God broke in and did things we couldn't have imagined possible as we prayed in, in unity and in faith. It's from Isaiah 64 verse 3. When you did awesome things that we did not expect you came down and the mountains trembled before you since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Because we've got to wait. There's a, there's a perseverance in all of this in prayer. It's not just, usually it's not just an instant thing. Sometimes it is, but usually it's a wait. And then he says, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. Sometimes we get in those difficult conditions where we tend to forget what God has done in the past. It always is great to go back and remember the wonders he's done. As the psalmist said, remember what he's done. Remember how he's delivered you when your back was against the wall. So he can do it again, right? And then the last thing I, that was occurring to me as we were worshiping is um, that this Santa Monica is a gate. You're a beachhead, but this is a gate. And that word in Psalm 24 invites us to ask the King of Glory to come in. And I just wanted to encourage you, in your prayer, as you go about Santa Monica, I don't know how many of you live here. You may be scattered all over. But, you know, just turn towards the Pacific Ocean occasionally and just say, King of Glory, we're inviting you in. Santa Monica. We're inviting you into Los Angeles, the strategic city that impacts the whole earth. We're inviting you, King of Glory, to take up residence here in this place. I'm going to uh, just now ask um, a couple of the other team members. I don't know. Did one of them, one of them just left? It, so I was going to, uh, Austin, why don't you go ahead and start then? And I think Brian wants to share something. Um, if any others would, would like to, Come up and give a give a word. Uh, you're welcome to do it. We just want to uh, bless you internationally this morning. Okay, Austin, come on up. Oh, there's Brian too. Okay, uh, you want to? I'll let you. Which one do you want? Do you want to go first or Austin? You can choose. You guys, I think Brian will be will be uh, probably shorter. So let's let. <laughs> Let's let Brian, because I think Austin has a, you know, maybe a little longer word. Let's let Brian go first, and then we'll turn it over to Austin. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'll try and speak with my best James Bond accent. Is that all right? 
And you'll hear various um, accents amongst us, because although we speak English, it's all with a different kind of accent. So, is that okay? I'm the grandfather of the uh, IPC, at least. Well, the father. There's another one who we call the grandfather or uncle, Uncle Ben. And um, just briefly, I'm based at a prayer and conference center in England um, and lead a ministry called Interprayer. The conference center, we've got um, a community of about 70 people and we're committed to, on a journey to towards 24-7 prayer. At the moment, we're 70 hours a week. We're praying together for the nations and for that which goes on within our own nation. Um, John wanted me to share something this morning and I need the help of three people um, in order to share. So this is my attempt at... Um, Mirroring what happens in Hollywood. Is that okay? <laughs> so come on, Jane. One, one volunteer. Two others, please. Come on, Stephanie. Let's have a man as well here. Come on, males. I want somebody who's really brave. And Okay, here we go. Right. Okay, you're individual prayer warriors, okay? Just um, stand there praying for each other. For whatever. Just your individuals. But keep apart. Keep apart. Okay. Don't look at me. You're praying. (laughs) Now, um, I'm just taking the part of somebody who wants to stop them praying, okay? So what should they do? They should bind themselves together. Okay, bind yourselves together. Okay, now then. Who tries to stop you praying? Who wants to stop you praying? Satan. Okay, but together, you find strength in praying with one another. And for one another. Even if one is sort of stumbling and not quite sure of her ground like she is here. Okay. Now, they are praying for one another. And when we pray for one another, we strengthen each other in God. But their strength is going to be even more powerful if they turn around and face the enemy together. So would you turn around and link arms with your backs to each other? That's it. Okay, so they are strong now, because you can't, you can't, uh, that's right, they've got something to kick out me, all right, they are strong now, they can hold the ground together against the enemy, and when we pray together, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, where two or three come together in my name, come together in my name, who is in the midst? Jesus said, I am in the midst. Now, I want to ask some, another volunteer to come forward, too. Would you, another one? No, this, is, this one's okay. This one's okay. Okay. Would you stand in the middle of them? Okay. And you still link arms together. Okay. Now, this guy is protected. Okay. Satan wants to come at him. You can't get through because there's three others guarding him. All right? 
And the only way in to this one is from heaven. Now, if you want to see your, your nation changed, you want to see your city changed, you want to see your friends changed, this is the way to go about it. Two or three praying together in my name, says Jesus. I am in the midst. He can come and work in the midst through them. And he can bless anybody else that they put in the midst of their prayers and ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal his power to them. Those are in the midst with Jesus. And Jesus is in the midst of their lives. Thank you, folk. Sit down. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We call this prayer triplets. And uh, God um, revealed to one of the things that God got me started on in prayer was the idea of prayer triplets. I was part of a team called Mission England um, some many, many years ago, back in the 1980s. Billy Graham was coming to England for a series of missions across the nation in football stadium. And I was asked to take responsibility for getting the nation to pray. And God gave me this key of three people praying together, each for each other, and for three of their friends by name, so that between them, the group of three would be praying for nine altogether, for their known needs and especially that they might, that they might find Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And this took off like a bushfire, spread across my country. Um, within the course of 18 months, we knew of at least 30,000 triplet groups that had formed across the nation. Uh, people from different backgrounds, different church backgrounds within each church. Some churches doubled and trebled in size because of the answers to prayer during that period. Thousands got converted to Jesus before Billy Graham came on our shore. And then this spread around the world. And I believe God's bringing it back. He's certainly bringing it back in my country. We've had a year of prayer last year in 2007, leading into a year of mission this year. Prayer triplets are being relaunched in Britain uh, during this period. And people are finding the same thing. Folk around the world have found the same thing. When they pray together intentionally, regularly, with faith, with Jesus in the midst, then the Holy Spirit comes and works in the lives of their friends and their neighbors. The walls come down. And the water of God begins to flow into their spirit and into their existence. And uh, one of the first books I wrote was was the stories of answers to prayer. As God began to pour out his spirit in the lives of individuals. The stories of God at work in individual lives. And I just want to challenge you this morning. This is what the the one message that I want to bring. Is that if you want to see change in your friends' lives. Praying on your own is good. But praying with with two others is even better. And with Jesus in the midst is the best of all. If you want to see change, may I challenge you. To pray for your neighbors and your friends. Why don't you just get together in threes where you are? Would you like to do that? And just name one friend each. One friend each that you would love to see become a Christian. If this church is to grow, this is the way it's going to grow. If the community of God's people within Santa Monica is going to grow, this is the way it's going to go. When we pray, God works. Can you say that together? When we pray, God works. Say it again. When we pray, God works. Again. When we pray, God works. If you've forgotten everything else that I've said, remember that. When we pray, God works. So would you pray for one friend each? Just share a little bit of the detail of who your friend is. Pray with them by name. And then ask the light of God to come into their lives by His Spirit at this time and in this season.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. When we call, you will answer. While we are yet praying, you will hear. And Lord, what your word says is true. There are two or three come together in my name. There am I with them. And Lord, would you shine your light into the lives of those we've prayed for in these last few minutes? Thirty-five people, Lord, we've prayed for. We bring them to you. And say, Lord, would you shine your light in powerfully into their lives? Would you free them from the tyranny of the evil one? Would you take away their sin? Would you forgive them? Would you love them? Would you show your power, O God? And would you draw them to yourself? And give us the joy of seeing answers to prayers, the fruit of what has happened here this morning, Lord. And would you cause us to continue to pray, not to give up, but to persist and to persevere until we see the answer. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you take a piece of brushwood and you take a piece of glass and you shine the light of the sun's rays onto the brushwood, what happens? It sets fire. If you take away the glass too quickly, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. And so often we give up in prayer far too easily. So remember the the glass reflecting the sun's light or shining or focusing the sun's light, the sun's rays onto a piece of brushwood. As we continue to pray, God will work and will cause fire to ignite in the lives of those for whom we pray. I've got hundreds of stories of how God answers prayer. Can I just tell you one and then I'll sit down and let Austin take over. A couple of friends of mine were in a, in a triplet group and they were praying for their tennis partners. You play tennis here? Okay, you know what tennis is. Okay. Just checking. And, um, and the wife of one of their partners got converted in a couple of weeks. The husband was so incensed, he came around to the home with a gun threatening these, this couple of mine, their friends threatening to shoot them because of the change that had come about in his wife. So they sent for the police. Obviously, you do those sort of things. <laughs> and uh, the police came around, but they would not press charges. But they continued praying. Two weeks later, the same man, was a businessman, was having a round of golf. Do you play that here in California? Okay. <laughs> having a round of golf. Uh, with his bank manager. And his bank manager started to witness to him about Jesus. But he could hardly pull a gun on his bank manager, could he? Credit crunch or no credit crunch. And as a result of that, this man became a Christian. The following summer, these two couples were in the tennis tournament of their tennis club. And between them, they walked away with every tennis prize the, the mixed doubles, the, the men's doubles, the ladies' doubles, the men's singles, and the ladies' singles. So in presenting the prizes, the president of the club said, you, you four have had unfair advantage. Next year, you pray for all of us and not just two of us. <laughs> God answers prayer. And when we pray, what's the answer? When we pray, what do we say just now? When we pray, God works. Come on, say it together. When we pray, God works. Again, when we pray, God works. When we pray, God works.
you've heard the British accent, you will now listen to the African accent. <laughs> when I woke up early this morning, what the Lord said to me was PowerPoint. And I was wondering what's PowerPoint. And the Lord led me to Acts 17. When Paul walked through the streets of Athens, he discovered that the city was given to idols and altars. And listen to what the Bible says in Acts 17:22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens." I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. And I wondered why would Paul in the city of Athens, of all things, he chose or identified an altar. He could have identified something else. But the Spirit of the Lord led him. He identified an altar. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he was looking for a way to connect to the hearts of the people. Because altars represents what controls our lives. Altars are powerpoints spiritually. Altars are gateway to the realm of the spirit. Altars are places of communion between the mortal and the immortal. Altars are gateway to the realm of the spiritual. And the Lord said to me, in the same manner, Paul identified altars in the city of Athens. There are altars in the city of L.A. We have the altars of money, altar of fame, altar of occultism, altar of sex, altar of immorality, altar of entertainment, and so on and so forth. If Paul were to walk through the streets of L.A., I'm sure that Paul will identify the altars that control the lives of the people. And I, try, I, I imagine that Paul would gather the believers and teach them the strategy on how to deal with the altars in the city. And as I thought of these things, the Lord said to me, in every city you go to, there are altars what controls and dominate the lives of the people. I live in Lagos. The population in, of Lagos is about 14 million people. And name it. You have all sorts of altars, visible and invisible altars. Some altars are visible, some are not visible. But one thing about the altars or the power of the altar is that it controls and dominates the life of the people. It dominates the thinking of the people. It controls the way the people think, the way the people behave, what the people do. 
And the Lord said to me this morning that just as every city has an altar, there is a key to overrunning the city. There is a key to overcoming a city. There is a key for controlling and having dominion over a city. The last song my sister rendered was very prophetic. Because as I walked in here, the Lord took me to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Can we go to that book? The book of Joshua, chapter 5. Listen to what the Bible says. Joshua, chapter 5. Or let me read verse 6, then I backtrack to chapter 5. Joshua, chapter 6 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The city of Jericho was shut up, as it were. The people were within the city and they were afraid of having the children of Israel come into the city. And the Lord said to me, L.A., just like many other cities, are shut up. We find it difficult to penetrate. We find it difficult to gain assets. As a pastor, at times you find it difficult to break through the spiritual barrier of the city. I have been a pastor since 1990. And I started off with 15 people. This will serve as an encouragement to Gary. 15 people. We just completed an auditorium that can seat 2,000 people. And in that congregation, I have 700 people, but I have satellite centers or branches, and whenever we come together, we feel and overflow that auditorium. I have about 12 pastors under me in the congregation I pastor, and I have 16 other branches within the country. But when I started in 1990, it was difficult to penetrate that city. It was difficult to pay the salary of staff. It was difficult for men to come and worship with us. But what did we do? We resorted to prayer and spiritual warfare. We went on 30 days fast. We went on 40 day fast. We went on, you know, prayer walk all through the city. We did all manner of things just to have a breakthrough into the city. And today, as I stand here to speak to you, I pastor in that single congregation over 700 people. And in the entire city, we have four other branches and we are shoot over 2,000 people. And by Nigerian standards, that's a very small church. 2,000 is a very small church by Nigerian standards. Now, but the Lord said to me, just as Joshua had problem entering into the city of Jericho, he thought he was going to penetrate that city on his strength. Now, you know, Joshua was a very young man. Joshua is like some of us. Joshua is a warrior, unlike Moses. Remember, it was Joshua who was sent to fight the battle of Raphidim. And you remember when Moses was on the mount and he was coming to the camp of the children of Israel. 
he was approaching the camp with Joshua. And Moses said, I can hear some people singing. But Joshua said, no, what I hear is the sound of war. He was a young man. He was given to war. And when he got to the battle of Jericho, he thought he would fight the battle of that city on his own strength. But little did he know that God had a battle strategy for the city of Jericho. Now look at chapter 5, verse 13. In chapter 5, verse 13, we read, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, Joshua had his own strategy on how to find the battle of Jericho. If you were to leave Joshua alone, he would have gone after the angel of the Lord. When he saw the angel of the Lord, he accosted him and said, Are you for us or against us? He thought the angel of the Lord was probably an enemy. But the angel of the Lord said to him, I am neither for you nor against you. I have come as the captain of the army of hosts to lead you into the battle. God has a battle strategy for this city. I believe that no city is difficult for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords. He is the captain of the army of heaven. He is the Lord of hosts. That's his name. And all you and I need to do is to identify what is God's strategy and move along with him. If we move along with the Lord, the Lord will give us the city. Now look at what the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Isn't that wonderful? I have given Jericho into your hand. The psalmist says in Psalm 60, Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will bring me into the strong city? Psalm 60, I think verse 9. Every city has its key. Every city can be penetrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he that is for us is greater than he that is in the world. Remember that our God, the king of the nation, is the governor among the nations. He created this city. Even though the devil has turned everything around. I'm told that L.A. means the city of angels. How come the city of angels has turned around to be the city of what? Is it evil or darkness? Satan takes what belongs to God and he turns it around. 
But I believe that God has a redemptive purpose for this city. If you believe it, say amen. God has a redemptive purpose for this city. And I believe that God's redemptive purpose for this city will be achieved through you and through me. And that's how we are the beachhead. God's purposes, God's will, God's plan for our cities, God's redemptive purpose for whatever city where we live in can only be achieved through you and through me. As we submit ourselves to him, he will give us the key to the nations and the key to the cities. He said to Joshua, see the Lord has given Jericho into your hand. Not only Jericho. He said, it's kings and the mighty men of valor. It's king and the mighty men of valor. My prayer is that this morning, the Lord will transfer to every one of us spiritually the key to Santa Monica. I pray that the Lord will transfer to us the, the dominion the authority that we need to overrun L.A. It's possible. You believe it? Very, very possible. I remember 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I was in a prayer meeting, an all-night prayer meeting. In Africa, we hold all-night prayer meetings a lot. And I shared the pulpit with a young man. He had just finished his studies here in the States, and he came back to Nigeria. His father was the chief judge of that city at that time. And I remember a prophecy came and the Lord said to him, I'm going to give you the authority over the city. We couldn't comprehend what the Lord was saying. Now, but 15 years after, he started pastoring a church in the city of Lagos. Today, that young man has over 20,000 people in his church. 20,000 people. He is building one of the largest churches in the city of Lagos. But my mind went back to the prayer meeting we had some 20 years ago when a prophecy came and the Lord said, I'm going to give this city into your hand. So, you may not know what the Lord will do today. I believe we've come as an international team to release the blessings of the Lord upon this congregation. And I believe that from today, Pastor, you will begin to operate in a new dimension. Because the Lord will release the authority for this Santa Monica upon your shoulders. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave... The angel of the Lord said to Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hand, its cities, and mighty men of valor. The Lord can give us the city today. The Lord said to his, Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give unto you keys of the kingdom. That means the authority of the kingdom. It takes a single day for the Lord to give you the authority that you need to have dominion over your city. Just a single day. 
And you know, the devil can't stop it when the Lord gives you the keys. He can't, he can't, he can't, he can't. Because our God holds the keys to death and the keys to hate and the keys to life. He holds the key to anything he wants to do. Now, many of us may wonder, how do we fight and win over the city to the Lord? I must tell you, spiritual warfare is very, very demanding. Pastoring a church where the enemy has a stronghold could be very, very demanding. For five years, I lost six pastors. They died. Six pastors died. I lost about, in addition, four members of my church. I could not understand what was the cause. And I remember one day I gathered my pastors and the deacons and the elders. We came to the altar and we all laid on the altar, weeping and crying, shedding tears before the Lord. Why would these pastors die one after the other? Of course, they died because of physical causes. One died because of kidney. One went in for a simple operation and died. You know, under strange circumstances. And as we were worshipping the Lord, as we were praying, as we were fasting, the Lord spoke and said, from today, I'm going to give you victory. No one single pastor would die. Now, that came after a 30-day fast. And I tell you that since the last five years, we've not lost any member of the church. Because the Lord gave us victory over the spirit of death. Praise the Lord. But we paid a price. We paid a price for five years, every year consecutively. We lost one pastor or one member of the church. And we couldn't find the solution until the Lord gave us the victory. And I'm sure that the Lord is going to give you not only the victory, He will give you a breakthrough over the city. Praise the Lord. Two more passages. If we go to the book of Hebrews, I mean Proverbs, look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the days of adversity, your strength is small. For every one of us, there comes a day of adversity. For every one of us, there comes a day of trial. For every one of us, there comes a day of challenges. A day when you go through pressure. And what the devil tries to do is to stress you out. The devil tries to discourage you in your prayer life. The devil tries to make you feel that your prayers are not answered by God. 
I have been in the intercessory ministry for over 31 years. And many a time when you pray and pray and pray, it looks as if your prayer does not go beyond the ceiling. Many a time you pray and pray, you don't see answers to your prayers. And you wonder, am I living in sin? Is God far away from me? Does God answer prayers? Am I sure that the word of God is real? There are times you pray, instead of receiving answers to your prayer, the very opposite to your prayer happens. I don't know when it happens to you. The very thing you pray for happens. But the Bible says, if, you're, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Adversity, they do come. Challenges, they do come. In the pastoral work, I mean, I identify with those who pastor because I've been in the pastoral work for 18 years now. It could be very stressful. It could be very painful. It could be very challenging. At times, your efforts are not appreciated. At times, you wonder, will the church ever grow? I stand here to encourage you, my brother, this church will grow. It will grow. I started with only 15 people in my parlor. 15 people. 15. Three years ago, we relocated to a new site. We had only a tent. And we were wondering, how do we build up this church? Within three years, within three years, we spent over $400,000 building up the church. How did the money come? I don't know. I don't know. A businessman came into the church one day and said, I will take care of the floor. I will put marble on all the floor. Another architect came and he said, Pastor, all the windows and the doors, leave it to me. I'm going to give it to the Lord. The women came and they said, the air conditioners, we will buy the air conditioners. God sent in people to do his work. The Lord will do it for you here. Don't give up. Be strengthened in the Lord. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And I believe that Psalm 84 is the key to staying on, holding on our grounds in a city like this. When things seem to be very difficult, when things are not working out the way you expect. Look at what Psalm 84 says. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Satan tries to wear us out with adversity, with discouragement, with intimidation, with fear, with anxiety, with worry. But when we anchor our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our strength is renewed. The Bible says, 
they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. As we wait upon him in the place of prayer, as we wait upon him in the place of the word of God, reading the word, as we play, wait upon the Lord in the place of fasting, our strength is renewed to continue with the battle. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As he passes through the valley of Baca. Now, theologians say there is no place like the valley of Baca, or they have not identified the valley of Baca, but that it may refer to the man who goes through difficulties, or who goes through the wilderness, or who goes through a difficult terrain, and his strength and faith and hope is in the Lord. That is the man who overcomes eventually. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before the Lord in Zion. As we pastor and worship in a congregation of this nature, I want us to look up to the Lord, not to ourselves. The only way this church can grow, the only way you can overrun the city, the only way you can have a breakthrough through the city is as you look up to the Lord in prayer, depend on Him, listen to whatever the Lord will say to you. The Lord will certainly give you the strategy. May the Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord.